Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is a This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Robert Tellis? First, I'll look at the background of this case, move to the timeline of the crime, then offer my analysis. Robert Tellis was born in 1977 and raised in El Paso, Texas. He moved to Las Vegas, Nevada in the early 2000s and found work as an HVAC technician. Robert went to law school and graduated in 2014. He started his own probate law firm, but did not stay in business for very long. Robert decided to run for public office. Specifically, he wanted to be the public administrator of Clark County, Nevada. In 2018, he was elected to this position and would assume office in January of 2019. Robert worked in a red brick building along with nine full-time employees and a few part-time workers. The role of the public administrator involves taking control of the property of people who have died. Many people die without specifying who will own their property, or it is not immediately clear where their property is supposed to be going. The public administrator is responsible for securing this property and trying to figure out who it goes to. Investigators working for this office routinely go into homes where people have died. Sometimes the occupants of these homes died days, weeks, or months before the investigators visit. It is not unusual for the investigators to encounter a number of ghastly and morbid scenes, as well as other unusual situations. For example, being exposed to odors associated with death, insects which tend to be attracted to corpses, household pets who decided to turn their owner into a meal after the owner's death, and the messy aftermath of firearm-related incidents. The work of the public administrator has been described as emotionally draining and tedious, which must make them a blast at career fairs. The public administrator is a low-level office. It is not considered to be a glamorous or high-profile elected position. However, Robert was eager to get started. He believed that he could parlay his service in this role to become county commissioner. After that, he had dreams of becoming the governor of Nevada. It didn't take long for Robert to make a negative impression 
with the employees. He was short-tempered, inexperienced, incompetent, and would make people feel unimportant. They referred to him as boss baby. Robert started making big changes in the jobs of the workers. For example, he cut overtime pay and developed some type of checklist system. People who had worked there for a while became increasingly unhappy with Robert, and the situation became tense. Robert would later say that his employees were unnecessarily stubborn and resistant to change. He was simply trying to get them to pull their own weight. Employees said that Robert was not doing his job. Cases were becoming backlogged, and he wasn't returning phone calls. In March of 2020, Robert was arrested for domestic battery. Body camera footage shows him being taken to a police vehicle. He yelled at officers, quote, you guys just want to take me down because I'm a public official, unquote. The charges were later dropped. Even if the police did have something against public officials, I doubt they would be interested in the public administrator. Are there really police officers out there walking around mumbling under the breath something like, I'm so tired of those public administrators with their fancy checklists seizing the property of decedents. This is really scraping the bottom of the barrel as far as police harassment. Around the same time, the COVID-19 pandemic forced Robert to make some adjustments. He put some of his employees on paid leave, and only a few employees reported to the office. One of the employees who stayed in the office was a woman named Roberta Lee Kennett. She was an estate coordinator. In the summer of 2021, when the other employees started returning to the office, they noticed that Robert and Roberta seemed unusually close. For example, they were seen giggling together. In addition, Roberta seemed to have an unusually large amount of power. She passed by other workers who had seniority. Workers were getting concerned because Robert was almost certain to win the 2022 Democratic primary for public administrator. They had no doubt that he would defeat whoever ran against him because he was the incumbent. The employees talked about what they could possibly do to prevent Robert from continuing in this role. They came up with two different strategies that they could use at the same time. The primary plan was for Rita Reed, the second in command at the office, to run against Robert. Rita knew this was going to lead to even more tension in the office. To delay retaliation, she submitted her bid just a half hour before the deadline. The secondary plan was to gather evidence of Robert's relationship with Roberta. On one occasion, in early 2022, Rita happened to spot Roberta leaving the office. She decided to follow her. Roberta drove to a small parking garage. After seeing that the vehicles of Roberta and Robert were parked side by side, Rita took a picture. From this point on, Rita and another employee named Alicia Goodwin took turns following Roberta. After almost two months, they managed to record a low-quality video of the couple in the back of Roberta's SUV. Alicia gave this video to a friend of hers named Jeff Gehrman, who was a reporter for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Jeff started looking into the scandal. He interviewed Robert at the public administrator's office. Robert appeared to be friendly, polite, and helpful. Robert denied the allegations and proclaimed that he was a good person interested in fairness and justice. As Jeff continued investigating, Robert became paranoid. He cut himself off from employees, used a white noise machine to make eavesdropping more difficult, and ostracized the employees who were involved 
in exposing his behavior. One time he failed to invite them to an event and would not even share leftover cake with them. Robert's leftover cake denial rage was out of control. Jeff's story was published about a month before the primary and was devastating to Robert. It revealed Robert's inappropriate relationship with a subordinate, favoritism, and his antagonistic personality. At the Democratic primary, Robert was defeated by Rita Reid. He was still the public administrator until January 2023, but he was not working very hard at his job. Jeff Gehrman continued writing stories about Robert, which appeared to make Robert even angrier. Now moving to the timeline of the crime. On Friday, September 2, 2022, at 11.18 a.m., video surveillance captured a mysterious figure walking through the side gate of Jeff Gehrman's house. Five minutes later, Jeff exited his house through the garage door and walked to the side. The mysterious figure attacked Jeff, stabbing him several times. Jeff Gehrman's body was found the next day. Initially, the police did not know who committed the murder. They released the image of the suspect wearing an orange vest like a construction worker would wear, as well as a wide-brimmed straw hat, white sneakers, black gloves, and the figure was carrying a gray bag. Robert returned to work as if nothing happened. Some of the employees thought that he could be involved, but after looking at the image of the suspect, they had their doubts. They didn't think the image looked like Robert. Later, however, the police released another image captured by video surveillance. This one was of a Yukon Denali SUV, which was driving around Jeff's neighborhood on the day he was murdered. The vehicle matched the description of one owned by Robert's wife. Now the employees were reasonably certain that Robert was the killer. Acting on a tip, the police showed up at Robert's house. They interviewed him, took his DNA and clothing, towed away his wife's SUV, and searched the residence. In his garage, the police found a wide-brimmed straw hat and a pair of white sneakers. Both of them had been cut up and hidden in a bag inside of a toolbox. They also found a gray bag. Not long after this, the police learned that Robert's DNA matched DNA found under Jeff's fingernails. Robert was indicted for one count of murder with a deadly weapon of a person over the age of 60. He pleaded not guilty. Robert is facing a trial scheduled to start in April of 2023. His attorneys argued that Robert should be able to keep his job as public administrator until his term was up because he could perform the work from jail. A judge disagreed. Robert was removed as public administrator. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The truth about the Haditha massacre has been covered up, but not anymore. I know you know what happened. They went into houses and killed women and children. What are you thinking? What a mess. U.S. Marines murdered innocent civilians in cold blood. And at the center of it all is 25-year-old Sergeant Frank Wooderick. And me, Murder in House 2.
a new podcast from Crowd Network. Now moving to my analysis. Did Robert Tellis murder Jeff Gehrman? Some people are standing by Robert saying that he's innocent. Others believe that he was definitely the killer. Let's take a look at the evidence both for and against the idea that Robert is guilty, starting with the inculpatory factors. There is no question that Jeff Gehrman was murdered. People don't usually get stabbed multiple times next to their house accidentally. Jeff had been writing articles about Robert's bad behavior. Robert was described as somebody who had difficulty controlling his temper. He repeatedly aggravated people who reported to him. Robert had a hat, sneakers, and a bag that matched the killer who was captured on video surveillance. Robert tried to destroy the hat and sneakers. The killer was captured driving an SUV that matched one owned by Robert's wife. Robert had access to this vehicle. Robert's DNA was found under Jeff's fingernails. Moving to the exculpatory factors, the killer's face was not captured in the video. It could have been many different people, not necessarily Robert. Myriad people disliked Robert. Maybe somebody wanted to frame him for Jeff's murder. That's pretty much it for exculpatory factors. When considering the evidence, do I think that Robert murdered Jeff? Yes, I think he is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. It's worth noting, Robert is presumed innocent. Moving to the next section, here are my thoughts on a few other areas that stood out to me in this case. Item number one, Robert was from El Paso, Texas. A few of his family members were involved in politics there. His grandfather was county commissioner, and his father was on the city council. In 2008, his father pleaded guilty to his part in a conspiracy to bribe local officials for votes. Maybe Robert looked up to his father as a role model, like the goal was to get elected and then get arrested. In this sense, Robert Tellis performed exceptionally well. Despite being elected to a low-level position, he managed to get himself arrested for a high-level crime. Item number two, when Robert was in law school, he aggravated a number of people there. He was thought of as arrogant and condescending, and he was accused of harassing a female student. Robert was the student bar president for a while, but was removed from the position because of the harassment claim. Before this, people said that Robert demanded a lot of respect as the student bar president. It was an insignificant position, but he would walk around as if he was the governor and demand to be addressed when he entered a room. It seems as though Robert had a history of believing he was more important than he really was. Item number three, Robert appears to have characteristics of vulnerable narcissism. He was self-centered, insecure, vindictive, believed himself to be special, and had a sense of entitlement. He was obsessed with his physical appearance. He told people about his efforts to improve his appearance, including cosmetic surgery. People who knew Robert described him as changing moods rapidly. In one moment, he could be charming, enthusiastic, positive, and friendly. In the next moment, he could be angry, antagonistic, and vicious. Robert never accepted any responsibility for his alleged wrongdoings. He had an excuse for everything. He claimed that he did not have an affair. He was only hugging his subordinate. He said that the disruption at the office was caused by people trying to railroad him. And Robert blamed the police who placed him under arrest for domestic violence for allegedly targeting him because he was a public official. 
Robert regarded his position as much higher than it was. To call the public administrator a low-ranking office is being generous. This brings me to item number four. When a vulnerable narcissist is in a position of power, even if it is a low position, they can become very dangerous. Several of the workers who reported to Robert had anxiety due to his behavior. They would never know what kind of mood he was going to be in, but they could be certain that eventually he would become inappropriate. Robert showed favoritism, was condescending, insulted his workers, was hypersensitive, and believed everyone was out to get him. Eventually, several of the workers banded together against Robert, but they were fully justified in doing so. Robert's behavior caused this action. Now moving to item number five, what do I think happened in this case? This is just a theory, my opinion. As Robert grew up, he developed narcissistic characteristics. He always felt as though he deserved more in life. He wanted respect, power, and glory. He was always trying to prove to people how he was better than they were. When Robert became aware of the public administrator office, he saw an opportunity to become an elected official. In his mind, that's all that mattered. It didn't matter that the job was low-ranking. After he was elected, Robert felt as though he was invincible. He was going to use his position to make a name for himself at the expense of the government employees. He mistreated them so severely, they rebelled against him, which led to the involvement of Jeff Gehrman. Robert tried to charm Jeff, but Jeff was immune to being manipulated. He did not work for Robert and did not care if Robert didn't like him. When the article started coming out, Robert was furious because he viewed Jeff as an interloper. Jeff was interfering with Robert's master plan to become the governor of Nevada. When Robert lost the election, he came up with an ill-conceived plan to murder Jeff in order to get revenge. He dressed up in an orange construction vest, perhaps believing that he could hide in plain sight, like people would not pay attention to a construction worker. Robert made his way to Jeff's house and waited for him outside. When Jeff exited his house, Robert stabbed him to death. Now moving to my final thoughts. Vulnerable narcissists are attracted to positions of power, but not attracted to doing a good job. In the workplace, they destroy their own careers, as well as the careers of innocent people. They can turn a peaceful workplace into a war zone. When somebody comes in from the outside to expose the bad behavior of the vulnerable narcissist, they risk becoming the target of the rage that will follow. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa Vita Brevis. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.